behind these ever-changing doors awaits a spectacular choice of cash, merchandise, fun, and surprises. Today, from the stage of The Ridge in Columbus, Indiana, let's play America's favorite game, Wanna Make a Deal? And now, here's our special host, the big dealer himself, True Gary! Hi, I'm True Gary, and let's play Wanna Make a Deal? We have our first contestant today, that person sitting right over there in the front row. Come Whoa! on upstage. Yeah! Welcome, welcome, and what's your name? Adam. Adam, tell me, what do you do for a living? I'm one of the pastors at the Ridge. Actually. Wow, a pastor. I bet your Sundays are very, very busy, aren't they? Yeah, they can be pretty busy, yeah. So what do you do the other six days of the week? That's not very nice, man. Okay, Adam, you know how this game works. I'm going to give you a choice between what's behind door number one and what's behind door number two. All right. But the choice is yours. Okay. Are you excited? I am. Wanna Bob. make a deal? Yeah. Bob, what's behind door number one? A new car! <laughs> but wait, that's not all. We have an all expenses paid trip to anywhere in the world you yeah. want to go for as long as you want to be there. Bali, Paris, <laughs> Australia, yeah. Brazil. Yeah. But wait, that's still not all. You'll also win one million dollars! <laughs> wow, Adam, that's quite an option behind door number one. It is. I don't think it's much of a choice. Nope. Now, we don't typically do this, but we're going to go ahead and show you what's okay. behind door number two right. before you make your deal. Bob, tell him right. what's behind door number two. An all-expenses-paid trip to prison. Oh, no. You'll be threatened, no. beaten, chained to a guard, and your very life will be in danger. But wait, that's not all. It's very likely that you're not going to make it out alive. Well, Adam, quite a choice. Do you take door number one or door number two? Before you decide, door number two seems a little negative, doesn't it? Oh, uh, yeah. Let's change it up a bit. It's the okay. same prize, prison, your very life in danger. But we'll add a promise. If you take door number two, you'll have contentment for the rest of your life, however short it may be. But if we're adding something to door number two, it's only responsible to add something to door number one. Yeah. And yeah. what could we possibly add to your every desire being catered to? We'll add a promise. If you take door number one, you'll be miserable for the rest of your life, however oh. extravagant it may be. So, Adam, do you want to make a deal? So, which, which door would you choose? Would you, would you choose... Number two, I mean contentment, right? I mean that's a little bit more, it's a little bit more appealing than than misery, even if even if we get everything that we would possibly want. I mean it's easy when the decision is presented like this. I mean door number one leads to misery, door number two leads to contentment. Easy decision, door number two, no problem. But it's not that simple in real life, is it? I mean, we actually make decisions like this in our heart all the time. I mean, if I could, if I could just get a better 
car, then things would get better. If I could just get out of debt, then things would get better. I could have the next cool technology, then things would get better. If that relationship could work out, you know, then things would get so much better. If my kids could be successful, if I could be in control, if I could have a better job, a flatter stomach, a healthy spouse, whatever that is, we look for more, 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 more more things, more relationships, more positive vibes, better circumstances. That's what we pursue. And we play, I play, want to make a deal with God all the time. Sounds like this, God, if you give me more of what I want, I'll follow you. Or I'll give you some of it back. Or I'll dedicate my time and energy and money to you. Or whatever that might be. Deal? So we think, yeah, of course, we'll take door number two. No problem. We'll take door number two if it leads to prison. I mean, we know it leads to contentment, but really, inside, we kind of secretly hope that God's going to give us door number one. And then we'll be happy, and then we'll have peace. Then we'll be content. Now, hear me, you don't have to be miserable to be content. This isn't about having things or not having things. No, that's not what this is about at all. It's about the pursuit of more. And in our everyday lives, we get super frustrated when that more feeling in our heart isn't met. Because we want contentment, we do, but it seems, seems kind of ungettable. Peace seems difficult in a chaotic world. And our world seems pretty chaotic. How do we find contentment in the midst of disruption or pain or hardship or frustration or COVID-19 or political upheaval or a terminal illness or racial tension? How do we find contentment? And what's the secret? What's the secret to contentment when bigger and better and faster and stronger doesn't make the cut anymore? I mean, which door do you really, truly want to take? Now, we're wrapping up a series called The Life of Paul. And I've really enjoyed this series. Next week is our last week. One of the reasons that I've loved the series so much is that Paul is this real-life example of how to live for and how to follow Jesus. I mean, he didn't just talk the talk, you know. He, he walked the walk too. And he has the secret. And he tells us the secret to contentment. This is Philippians 4.12. This is a book that Paul wrote. This is a letter he wrote to some other believers. This is what he says. I know how to live on Almost nothing or with everything. That's door number one or door number two. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. Now, let me back up. Now, Paul is writing this letter when he's under house arrest. He's in jail. I mean, literally chained to a Roman guard. He's writing the letter. And he wrote it to a church in Philippi, which is why it's called Philippians. And he's thanking the people there in Philippi for taking care of him in prison. 
So basically, this is, a, this is a door number two context. This is suffering. And he writes in the midst of being chained to a guard about joy and peace and contentment. And this is what he says. He's saying, hey, I've, I've lived in door number one. I've opened it. I've had a life where all my needs are met, where things are going really, really well. And I've also lived in fear and I've had to run for my life and I've been in prison behind door number two. And he's saying, and look, contentment isn't connected to circumstances at all, good or bad, rich or poor, easy or hard. Paul has the secret for how all of the things that we can possibly think about going on in our lives lead to contentment. Here it is. Here's the secret. It's the next verse, how we live with contentment. This is what he says. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. This is one of the most well-known verses in the Bible. Maybe you've seen it on Instagram or you've seen it on Facebook, you know, with little flowers behind it or something. And you go, um, is that really what that means? Because not only is it one of the most well-known, it's also one of the most misunderstood. I mean, we read this and I go, I can do everything? I mean, I can lift a car through Christ who gives me strength, any skill, any ability. I could be successful. Uh, no. I mean, I've quoted it this way. I've quoted, I can do everything through Christ, so I want to be 6'6", and I'll be able to dunk a basketball, and I want to win an NBA championship, and the crowd will go wild. And we'll, ah, ah, ah. But then I realize I'm playing like NBA 2K19 on my Xbox, and that ain't going to happen. Look at me. I can't dunk a basketball. But this verse that we're talking about, it's in the context, remember, it's in the context of peace and contentment in jail, not in the context of skill, not in the context of triumph. It's in the context of bondage. So Paul is saying, look, no matter the circumstances, we can be content because of Christ. That's what we can do. Here's another way of saying it. It's the big idea for today. Contentment comes with less of more, that pursuit of more, whatever that is in our life, it comes with less of more and more of Christ. We pursue more, don't we? And we think it'll satisfy us. But, but the pursuit of more is never ending. I mean, the discontentment we feel in our hearts, it's never fulfilled outside of Jesus. And I've actually noticed in my own life when I'm the most in tune with God and what He's doing are usually the times that I don't have what I need, not when I do. It's when I'm helpless. It's when I'm hopeless. It's when I can't do things in my own strength. It's when the pursuit of more isn't going to cut it. That's when I start paying attention to Jesus and His strength. And until Christ is all you have, you don't really know that Christ is all you need. Contentment comes with less of the pursuit of more. Anything other than Christ. And it comes with more of Jesus. And because of Jesus, Paul's saying we can do 
anything. Because of Jesus, our circumstances don't control us. Because of Jesus, we can be content. Now, another reason I really enjoyed this series is because Paul doesn't just tell us, hey, this is what contentment is, good luck to you. I mean, he actually tells us how to grow in being content. And I think that's good because I don't know if you're like me or not, but I find hope in a statement like this or in verses like this, but honestly, I'm immediately confronted with the fact that I still don't feel it. I don't feel peace. I don't feel contentment all the time. So how do I grow in this area? What does it look like for me to have more of Christ? Well, the verses leading up to these verses we're talking about, you know, that I can do everything through Christ verses. That's Philippians 4.13. But everything leading up to that talks about this. Paul actually points out three things that we can choose to do through Christ's strength. So that's what we're going to talk about today. How do we grow to be content? Here's the first way. This is Philippians 4, 6-7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. That's the peace that I want. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Do you worry? Any worriers in here? Any worriers online? Any worriers? I am an expert worrier. I mean, I'm an all-star. Let me give you an example. Here recently, my youngest daughter, Ainsley, she got a cut on her hand, and it was bad enough that we needed to go to Riley Children's Hospital in Indianapolis. So Abby, my wife, and I got in the car with my bleeding 16-month-old. We were nervous, to say the least. I dropped the two of them off at the emergency room, but because of the precautions with the coronavirus, I couldn't go inside. And that's not fun for anybody. So what did I do? Worried like a pro. I mean, I leveled up that day. I mean, I played out the worst possible scenarios that I could think of. And I'm incredibly creative when it comes to this. So I start with, okay, what if, what if the finger gets scarred? And then I go, well, what if she loses the tip of her finger? What if she loses the finger? What if she loses her hand? What if she loses her arm? What if this gets incredibly infected? What if her hand is the only hand in like 20 years that will save humanity from like a race of aliens coming in and it's only Ainsley's hand and what are we going to do? And like all is lost. I told you I was creative. So I'm in the middle of this worry cycle, you know, it kind of just spirals down and down. Have you ever had that? It's, I mean, it's silly. Then I'm in the middle of this worry cycle, and I stop for a second because, and I'm convinced of this, that Jesus, his spirit really said, stop. And he reminded me of the verses that we're talking about today. Don't worry, pray. So I did my best. I stopped. And I prayed, I slowed down, and it didn't take all the worry away, right away. But it did remind me of who Jesus is. It did remind me of how much God cares about me and my daughter. And it did remind me, Adam, it's only a cut on her finger. 
And good news, Ainsley's fine. That's the way we can have peace and contentment. That's one way as we work through the chaos in our lives. Paul tells us, pray. Tell God what you need and thank Him for what He has done. That's how Paul describes it. Tell God what you need in the middle of the struggle, in the middle of the storm. He already knows. He already knows what that broken marriage needs. He already knows what the addict needs. He knows what the chronic liar needs. He knows what that person who is depressed or anxious needs. He knows the person who's in financial difficulty needs. He knows the person who is empty spiritually needs. He knows the, what the person needs who is facing unknown or insurmountable pain. He knows what we need, so we might as well tell him. He already knows. And in the midst of telling him, we can thank him for what he's done. He's already created us. He's already provided for us in ways that we rarely notice. He already loves us. He's already sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for where we fall short for our sin. And when we put the chaos in our lives into context, turns out the circumstances don't matter. We can be content because of Christ. So he says, how do we grow to be content? First way, pray about everything. Don't worry, pray. Here's the second way. Ponder. If there was a transcript of the way that you thought, like at the end of the day, it like printed out. I don't know where it'd come out, like out of your mouth, hopefully. That's, that's PG. Out of your mouth. What, what would you do? Like if people could read your thoughts. I don't even like people like checking out my Google search, you know, because it gets a little weird in the Google search. You know what I mean? Like you, you Google things. Like the last thing that was on my Google search when I was writing the message was about the theme song to Let's Make a Deal. And I was blaring it in my office and it was just like super loud. And I'm sure the people in the office were like, he does only work one day a week. But like seriously, how uncomfortable would it be if your spouse, your friend, your family could, could read your thoughts? Because often our thoughts reveal our hearts. And if we want to be content no matter what's going on in our lives, Paul says, hey, start with pondering. Start with how you think. This is Philippians 4, 8. He says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Do you think about what's true? Or do you think about gossip or something selfish or something you don't know is true? Do you think about what's honorable or do you think about what's dishonest? Or do you think about what's right or what's wrong with the world? Do you think about what is pure or lustful, lovely or hateful, admirable or embarrassing, things that are excellent and worthy of praise or things that are lackluster and full of despair? What would your transcript say? Paul is saying we can choose how we think. So pray about everything and ponder what is good. And here's the third way that we can grow in being content. It has to be a P, right? Practice. So 
Here's me being real. I want to pray, okay, God, help me be content. I'm cool with that. I want to think about good things. And so I'm thinking, I want to be content. I am content. God, thank you. But honestly, I then want to magically be content. I want the third P to be poof. Then you're content. But that's not the way it goes. This is Philippians 4.9. This is what Paul says. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. He's talking about how Paul follows Jesus. And he's saying, putting into practice following Jesus, then the God of peace will be with you. Keep putting into practice all we learn about Jesus and try to live out what we learn about Jesus in real life. There's a phrase, maybe you've heard this phrase. This is a phrase that kind of we use to describe this. It's got another P in it. Practice what we preach. You ever heard that phrase? What does this, what does this have to do with contentment? I mean, I think at times we approach contentment like it's one of two things, like it's weakness. Is that true of you? Like only weak people have to learn how to be content. We don't need to practice what we preach because we're strong, not weak. We're poor, not rich. It doesn't apply to us. Or perhaps it's the opposite. Only super smart, super wise, super spiritual people can be content. But Paul stops both of those lines of thinking and says, no, 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 no. Everybody needs to practice what we preach. The very things of Jesus. We need to practice loving God with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. We need to practice loving our neighbors like we would love ourselves. Really, Paul is saying contentment is a habit. It's not something that just magically happens. It's a result of something else. You know, mainly as we live, as we surrender for Jesus, as we say, I'm going to put Jesus first in my life, that's when we start this pursuit of being content. When we practice what we preach, basically that Jesus is first, contentment and peace follows that. It's not magic. It's not a potion. There's no poof. It's a choice. That makes me uncomfortable. I don't like that it's a choice. Because I want it to just kind of happen to me. I wake up one day and I'm like, contentment, there you are. But we choose contentment because we choose to follow Jesus. We choose to pray and ponder and practice And as we do those things, as we really turn away from more, as we turn away from door number one, we're able to choose contentment behind door number two. Remember that phrase, contentment comes with less of more and more of Christ. And Paul is saying it's not about more in our lives. More won't fulfill the need. One more dollar, one more kiss, one more hamburger, one more promotion, one more day. That's not going to cut it. He's saying we don't need more because we already have more. Because Jesus is more than enough. And if we choose to follow Jesus, Jesus gives us strength. And the fight for more lessens as Christ becomes more in our lives. So Jesus is saying, hey, you want to make a deal? Not in a sneaky way. He's just saying we have a choice to make. And behind door number one is living without Jesus. And I promise you, 
Anyone who's lived without Jesus, myself included, it's a pursuit of more. And we don't meet God's perfect standard. And this door leads to destruction. And it's so tempting. But door number two, we can choose Jesus. And true contentment starts with a relationship with Christ. And if you don't know where to start that kind of relationship, we'd love to talk to you. In fact, it would make my day for you to ask that type of question. But we can choose. We can choose to die to our own desires and the pursuit of more. We can choose to have Jesus give His strength no matter the circumstances in our lives. Door number one leads to chaos. Door number two leads to contentment through Jesus. So, want to make a deal? Which door do you take? I'd like to pray for us. Heavenly Father, as we interact with this concept that contentment isn't something we muster up on our own or even that you kind of like magically drop into our laps, that it's something that comes with that growing relationship with Jesus, that as you grow bigger in our lives, the other things fade away. I am so thankful today that Jesus is enough, that that is true, that no matter the circumstances in our lives, no matter what's going on, good, bad, left, right, no matter what we're facing today or tomorrow, we can be content because of Jesus and what that means in our lives, the hope, the peace that comes from Him. I'm so thankful for that. We admit, though, I admit, that it's really difficult for us to live that way, to stay in that contentment, in that posture of peace, to choose that regularly. So help us. Help us as we apply these things that we're talking about today into our tomorrows. Help us Pray and ponder and think about who you are and practice what we already know is to be true. To really choose you in every situation, in every circumstance. Thank you for your love and it's in Jesus' name that we pray today. Amen.